Well, good evening, everyone. We're kicking off lesson two of our summer Bible uh, study. That's what I call it, SBS instead of VBS. Uh, we're looking this week with these series of lessons within the book of James. And um, tonight we're going to be dealing with the subject of uh, temptation. Yesterday, Mitch led our study of the pains and the problems that we all encounter in this life and uh, the trials, the special problems, you know, that everyone has. We were shown how we as Christians need to take a positive view of our problems, and we saw the need to celebrate, to sing, and rejoice because we have a loving and a powerful Lord who will bring us through the problems and turn them into stepping stones toward our spiritual maturity. But tonight we're looking at the subject of temptation. And uh, let's begin by looking at James chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 18. You can turn with me there, but I do have slides on the scripture that we'll be looking at for the most part tonight. Text says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. The subject of temptation. In the original language, the Greek language, the words trial and temptations are very, very similar to each other. They're basically the same word. But once you put those words in their proper context, then you see that there is a difference between the word trial and the word temptation as it's translated. Temptations designed to lead men into sin are not the same as the everyday stresses and strains of life. A temptation is an internal trial. Get that? A temptation is an internal trial. Temptation, the word temptation, is the verb form of the word trial, which is the noun form. So in the, the noun form of trial, if I learned my English right, a noun is a person, a place, a thing. Well, a trial is a thing. A verb is an action word. An action word being requires action. So that's the difference between the two. A trial is a thing that happens to us. Now, temptations themselves are not sinful. However, they are experiences that present to us an opportunity 
because temptations, when they're put before us, they're calling for action. They're calling for action. And the action is a choice. We have a choice either to do something wrong, destructive, and ultimately evil. That's what is coming to us with a temptation. But it's not just a matter of choosing. It boils down to a matter of choosing between good and evil. I'll give you an example. An example of a trial. Someone has a marriage that's just on the rocks, and it's not a good situation at all, not happy. Within that trial, a temptation could occur with one of the spouses, or either both of them, realizing or thinking, I'm going to go find me somebody else and have an affair. You see the difference? The trial would be the marriage being on the rocks. The temptation comes from a thought that I'm going to go seek someone else in this situation. Hey, we're all adults here, though, right? We don't confront or have any problems with temptation. That, that's reserved for young people, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. It's not true. Dealing with temptation is an everyday thing for everyone. I have no idea what battles uh, you may face, but I know we face them because we all do. I do, you do. And Satan, he's a smart, keen, very capable enemy who knows our areas of weakness and our vulnerability. And you know what? He does not give up. He does not give up. If you think about it then, dealing with temptation is warfare. Warfare. And to win the war, to win the, full, the war, we need to want victory more than we want anything else. Remember that. To win, we want to have victory more than anything else. So let's delve deeper into this thought of temptation after we have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you, Father, for your wisdom and your counsel that you reveal to us in your word. And be with us tonight as we gather here to look at the subject of temptation as you have revealed to us is something that's real. It's something that we all are confronted with on a daily basis. We thank you, Father, for your love, though. We thank you for your son and for the sacrifice he made to give us the hope of eternal life. Help us to turn our thoughts, keep ourselves focused on that goal, not just in the study, but through our life until we uh, come to that point where we can be before you in song and praise for all of eternity. Be with us now as we continue in our study. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, a temptation basically describes the inner, the inner desire, okay, that leads one to sin. You know, when we sin, we tend to make excuses. And this is not an all-inclusive list of excuses. But sometimes, well, 
We just blame someone else for what happened. Adam did that, did he not, with Eve? He pointed the finger and said, that woman you gave me, she, she made me do it. And sometimes we just plead ignorance to the situation and the surroundings. Or we blame our background. Uh, we attribute our actions to the environment that we are or we're in at the point of committing the sin. And some people even blame their parents for the sinful life in which they live. I've encountered folks that have, have, have spoused that. Or we blame the circumstances that occurred at the moment that the sin was committed. Or by claiming, oh, it was just a mistake. It was an accident. We claim, I couldn't help it. It just, it just happened. Or we say, well, uh, others are doing it, so I guess it's okay if I do it too. I mean, there's all kinds of excuses that we can come up with when we find ourselves having committed sin. And this is, like I said, not an all-extensive list, but maybe you can identify with some of those things. But in our scripture there, look at the first part of verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted. Well, an immediate truth about temptation is revealed with just one word in that little phrase. And it's that word, when. When. It's not an if. It's a when. It happens. One could say, well, that's not going to happen to me. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't do that. So let's, if you have that mindset, let us be remindful of this truth that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest, unless he falls. None of us can stand fully. We have to work at it. To think that when they're tempted, that it's not going to happen to me, uh, it's going to happen to you. Like the text says, when he is tempted, it's going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when. Well, different temptations strike different people. And again, this is not a complete list. But just look at that list. Is there anything that you are aware of that forms a temptation that's not on that list that you want to draw attention to? Or you want to say something? Watching too much TV. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, getting bullied. Getting bullied. Well, that's not a temptation. That is basically a trial because it's something that is happening, okay? How you deal with that may lead into a temptation, okay? But that's a trial uh, in, in my mind. How you might react. How you might react, though, yes, is, is a, a possible temptation. Lance? Yeah, what's interesting to me is how everything on this list and maybe anything that we miss can be grouped into the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Yes, and you're getting ahead of me. Okay. <laughs> we'll get there because that is important to, uh, that we understand it. But let me, let me just say, of, of 
just thinking about society in which we live today. Is that, is that a problem? And how does that get start? How does one become an alcoholic to begin with? A temptation? By being a casual drink. Huh? By being a casual drink. Yeah, yeah, going out with the guys and just having a casual drink. And it's not going to happen to me. I won't become an alcoholic, but the potential is there. Well, that's true, but you know, once you dive in, then you can dive deeper, <laughs> and that's 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 the case. How about how about this one? Is that big in our society today? I don't know about you, but when I look about, man, it's it's right there. It's in your face every day. You know, you, you go to the mall and you happen to walk by a lady's lingerie store. It's there. And I don't know about you, but ladies attires, lady attire today. I remember when I was in high school, girls had to wear dresses or skirts and mini skirts made their appearance when I was in high school. And to make sure the girls were in compliance, they had to get down on their knees and they would measure with a ruler to make sure that the hem of the skirt or the dress was, what, like only two or three inches above the knee? If it was any more than that, they got sent home. They got sent home. Now today, I think the goal is, how much can I not wear and put myself out there in the public without being arrested for indecent exposure. It, it, it really is. And I'll tell you what, a few years ago, I remember shopping for Brenna when she was even younger. I was appalled, appalled at what kind of clothing is available predominantly to be purchased for young girls. Yeah. Did you have a? I was going to say there's a reason why uh, in Second Peter, self-control is mentioned. Every one of those has self-control written all over it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even this one right here. That's not something I can see myself doing, but I can tell you there's a temptation that has to start that leads to that. In the back? When a, okay, when a man looks at a woman, Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it leads to all kinds of things. Um, and, and today we live in this realm of what I call sexual perversions that just it's in our face. It's in our face.
I agree. In fact, I just saw something here within the last week where uh, married couples now are taking vacations, an organized vacation with other couples, and one of the primary purposes of the group that goes is swapping partners. Swapping partners on the vacation. I don't know. <laughs> different things tempt different people, but and like I said, this is not a complete list. But know this, look at the verse, second part of verse 13 that we're looking at there. That second part of verse 13 informs us that God does not seduce men into these forms of evil. God and evil are eternally opposed to each other. If God could tempt us with evil, if God could tempt us with evil, he would not only cease to be holy, but he would also cease to be God, would he not? And I think that's important for us to remember. Now, God uses external trials, external trials, okay, for our benefit. We saw that yesterday, to, to develop perseverance, to make us stronger spiritually, so that we're stronger on, on the inside, okay? But God never leads us or causes us to fall into sin. The choice to sin rests with who? I see a lot of hands going in the right place. It goes right here. Well, in today's culture, we don't take sin as seriously as we should. I assure you, we surely don't take it as seriously as Jesus did. You see, sin is an extremely unpopular word today. How many folks that you're around with, not in the church, would take up a conversation over sin with you? Or hear it in conversations with your neighbors or your coworkers? Just doesn't happen. The whole idea of moral absolutes, I think, is becoming less and less popular. People are, have the attitude, you can't tell me what I can do and not do. So let's look at verses 14 and 15 then. So then what is the source of all temptations to sin? Well, the answer is given there in verse 14, isn't it? Gary, can you read verse 14? But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. There you go. The blame for sin belongs to man. Belongs to man. And man is drawn off his straight course by his own unchecked inner desires, his lusts. I think the worldwide mindset of sin not being popular shows the ignorance of the truth that's revealed in this piece of scripture. When it says, for all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes 
and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from where? It's from the world. It's from the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the prideful pride of life. Anybody know of a new sin that was created in the last week? That's entirely new to mankind? I don't see any hands. Because you could take every sin that mankind can commit, and it goes right back to one of these three things. All sin. And where does all that come? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of, the pride of life? It says it comes from the world. It comes from the world. Now, knowing that, you would think people couldn't argue with that, but people do argue with it. Um, Satan, the father of lies, he knows the bait. He knows your bait, Gary. He knows your bait, Lance. He knows your bait, Ryan. He knows my bait. He, too, is a fisher of men. And when each one is tempted, the, sex, the text says, when each one is tempted, the moment Satan presents the bait, we have a choice, do we not? What's the choice we have? There you go. You can either take it or you can run. Just like, I don't know how many of you fish. I know there's a few fishermen in the audience. You put the bait on the hook, and what you want to do is get that bait right in front of that fish's face so that he too, or she, whatever, you know, can make the choice either to take the bait just turn and swim away. That's the choices we have. Turn immediately or not maybe take the bait right away. We can sit there and we can internalize it and we can think about 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 it. You know what the problem is when we do that? When we think about it too much We take the bait. In the next verse, verse 15, it gives the analogy of conception, birth. You're always ahead of me, Lance. Yeah. What, <laughs> what that is, is it's nurturing. Yes. The idea of once it's conceived, you're nurturing it, and then it gets born. And you nurture it throughout your whole life, and it leads to death. It's, it's... Yeah. And, and again, you got ahead of me, but but... The fact that the word conceive, how long does it take for a child from to be conceived? Nine months, right? That's a fair amount of time. So that I think the analogy there is that when the bait's there before us, and the longer we think about it and dwell on it, yeah, it becomes more attractive, and we're likely to take the bait.
some versions say, say abstain from the very appearance of evil. You know, that, that's a short verse, but it's very, very weighty. That I think everyone agrees that alcoholism is, is, is sinful, at least the Christians. What's a form of alcoholism? Drinking. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a form of evil. I, I fully agree with you there. Yeah, our text says when that desire is acted upon, when we're enticed by his own lust, and Satan knows what our lusts are. Your lust may be different than mine, but he knows what our bait needs to be. And lust means a strong, ardent, desire of the soul to obtain something. We want to obtain it more than anything else. We want to become preoccupied with it. We become fixated on it. And that fixation, that dwelling upon, thinking about it too much leads to sin. We take the bait. Because going to back what Lance was saying, then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. An easy way to say that is we take the bait. We take the bait. The external, the external has no power in and of itself to cause a person to sin. The world is before us. But that has no power whatsoever to cause us to sin. Man sins because of internal lusts that are not under control. Do you see that the baby formed from the lust conception? What's the baby that's born from the conception? What's the text say is, is, is huh? But what, it, what is it? The, from the less conception, what's, what's, what's the conception of sin? Is that what the text says? I think it's the word I'm looking for starts with a D. Huh? Death. It's death. The baby that is born is death. And that should be, for Christians, that should be the forefront thing on our mind. Verse 16, James says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. The text says, that's what it says. And sadly, the one we deceive most is who? Ourselves. Ourselves. Why? Why do we deceive ourselves? Well, there's several that I say. It's because it's easier to believe a lie than it is to believe a truth. Because it's easier to live for the moment, to live for the moment, than it is to grasp eternity. And back there.
Yeah, and I think that falls in with the idea that it's easier to live for that moment than to think about eternity or the after effect of or what's going to result. Way in the back. Good point, excellent point. Because verse 12 there is kind of a pivotal from the thought of trials into temptations, but it, it, fits, it fits both of it there. Well, another way that we can deceive ourselves is because it's just easier to take the path of least resistance, in other words, to give in, than it is to have the moral courage to just say no or to turn our back and go in the opposite direction. So then how does one achieve victory? How do we achieve victory over temptation? Well, look at verse 17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Kind of focuses on what, how we deal with trials too. We need to focus what's on what's good, on what is good. You know, and it's hard to do wrong, it's hard to do wrong when we're laser focused on that which is good. Would you argue with that point? Yeah. <laughs> I hope I didn't do that. <laughs> no, you didn't, you didn't give that one up. <laughs> Count the blessings. Count the blessings. Appreciate all the good things given and all the gifts that come from above. You remember when I said earlier that temptation is dealing with temptation is warfare? It's warfare. When it comes to sin, victory or defeat starts where? Where does it start? Well, there, but there's another place that it also can, yeah, it starts here, okay? Look at this. Romans 12, 2. Again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, that's what Christianity is all about. People badmouth Christianity, but there's the truth of what Christianity is all about. It's about change. A person that comes to Christ just realizes my life needs to be fixed. I need to get on a better path. And that's how it will happen, is to transform the renewal of the mind. 
Yeah. Yes, well said, very well said. Perhaps we need to think and uh, do as Paul reveals in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in uh, verse 5. He says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Two words in there that I drew my attention when I saw this verse was destroying and captive. We destroy all the things that come up in this world that try to suppress or undo the knowledge of God. And then what we need to do is with the renewal of the mind, we need to put captive the thoughts and become focused on obeying Christ. It's very, that's how we need to think. I think that's how we need to think. Temptations can be conquered. It's not easy. Not easy. I am one before you with experience. It is not easy. But they must be conquered with faith and obedience. Discipline learned, practiced, and instilled by the words and the wisdom of God. Psalm 119.11 reads, and I think this is a good one. It reads, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I think there's a lot of truth and a lot of important things there to remember. Well, here's another piece of God's word that we need to store in our hearts. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. put them there, I highlighted the fact that God's got a, a role in here. And there's two things that are, that he supplies, that, that, uh, that he does. One, he's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond what you're able. He knows your limit. He knows your limit, and he's not going to let Satan go beyond your personal limit. But also God provides for every temptation that we encounter a way of escape so that we can endure it. Once again, building up endurance. 
We need to get our chin up. We need to lift our eyes heavenward and be optimistic toward finding and seeing that way of escape provided by God. Brian? Kind of puts your comment earlier into a new light, you know, thinking about how bad the world is getting. Because it could be really easy when we had that conversation, you might you might have found yourself just kind of throwing up your hands and say, Well, it's so hard now, maybe harder than it's ever been. But this verse is never not true. <laughs> this verse is always true. And and like you were talking about, how there's nothing, there's no new sins. You know, no matter where we were in the time period of history, we would have always been dealing with this stuff. Yep. And we would have always needed to deal with temptation, no matter what it looked like or how bad it seemed to us. And there was always and will always be a way of escape that we can deal with, no matter, no matter what it looks like. Now, to see that way of escape, what do we have to do on our part? The renewing of the mind. How does that start? Study. We've got to know, we've got to know God's word. And then once we know, Mitch touched on another word that was imp that's important in considering this too. Once you know, what do you got to do with the knowledge? You got to apply it. That becomes wisdom. So in order to see the way of escape, we got to have that knowledge. And then we got to wise up and use the way of escape. Chad? Yes, you do. Yeah, no doubt about it. <clears throat> I think there's a, we need only to recall and store up another truth and use the temptation decision filter. That's what I call it, to give us uh, some help in this, and that's recorded here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And I just forgot, I realized I didn't change the slide there. Um, what happened there? I'm missing my slide. Oh, there we go. The temptation decision filter. One of my favorite verses in, in scripture. That tells us that when we look and see and observe what's before us, we have to put it to the test. Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right or just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it got good rep? Is it commendable to do this? Is there some excellence in this? Is there anything worthy of praise in this? 
And you know what? If it fails any one of those filters, what do we need to do? We need to, we need to walk away. We need to walk away. Um, run. Yeah, run. <laughs> and the text says, dwell on these things. Think on these things. That requires discipline on our part. Okay? Yeah, I do remember that. Hey, Rick. Yeah. I like what Peggy's saying. Here's the standard of the world. They tell us how bad each show is <laughs> instead of telling us how good it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> verse 18 there, look at verse 18. It says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. God's word is the best and the only counsel needed to exercise victory over temptation. Jesus even used God's words or the word three times to defeat the temptations that were put before him. It's not enough to just teach the truth. It is not enough to just believe the truth. We must live the truth and become the first fruits of God's creature. That's what it's all about. That's what this whole study is, how to live the Christian life. Look at James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. We only got a few minutes left here. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Always ask, what is God's will in this situation that I'm in? What is God's will? Yeah, I, I, what you're saying is really in this scripture. Submitting to God, that's the green light. Resisting the devil, that's the red light. And what, what's on our hands? What do we got to do? We got to draw near to God. We got to cleanse our hands. We got to purify our hearts. Clean your hands applies the purity of our actions, okay? Whereas purifying the heart 
implies a purity of our attitude. Friendship with the world and friendship with God do not go together, okay? And I hope you saw that tonight. Because if we think like that, then we have become double-minded, like that verse says right there. Finally, one can be helped to resist temptations by remembering the outcome, the outcome of sin. What's, what's the conception? What's the ultimate birth after the conception of sin? Death. And if that is forefront in our mind, that should help us. Lust conceived produces sin. Sin full grown brings forth death. And there is no future in sin. No future in sin. Its course is inevitably downward. Uncontrolled lust, desire becomes an evil deed. If it's not forgiven, well, the result is spiritual death. So what is Christian living all about? Know this, that temptation befalls all of us. It's not sinful to be tempted. They're internal trials. They're not, they are matters of the heart. They put before us choices. And dealing with them, dealing with temptations, is warfare. Their source is not from God. Their source is our own lusts. The world instills the lusts and the pride that tempt us. All sin has its source from desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Satan knows the, how to bait us. He knows what bait to put before us individually. And when we see the bait, or when we take the bait, sin is conceived and it can be committed. We need to recognize our temptations when they confront us, and that only comes with having knowledge of what's right and what's wrong, what's wicked and what's, what's good, and then see and take the way of escape that God has provided. And most of the time, I can assure you that is this or this or some other form of action. But it needs to happen here and here. Any other closing thoughts? I hope, I hope we covered the subject well. We do. We do. We wouldn't need uh, the grace of God to be bestowed upon us if we uh, didn't sin. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your time.